0: We are in a series called Travel Light. Now, you may be thinking, well, I haven't been here for the series, so I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we'll help you with that. And so basically what what it is is that in in life, as you travel through life, there are these things that sometimes get attached to us. There are things that can weigh us down. There are things that kind of just uh, get attached in such a way that keep us from what God's ultimate best is for us. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how it's so important that we let go of certain things. We let go of things like stuff, you know, our collection of stuff. And the important how we let go of the distractions in life, maybe even letting go of things like bitterness. And tonight I want to talk to you about something that I think is really important. And in order to do that, we have to turn to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1, but before we start to read this, I want to just say that this is a participatory church, and and so if you don't participate, then you're kind of killing the fun, you know what I mean? And so you got to participate just a little bit, and and one of the things I'm going to ask you to do is as we read from Luke's uh, Gospel, I want to invite you to stand if you're able. Um, I want you to stand if you're able just as a way of honoring God's Word, and so I'm going to read that in just a second. But I want to ask you this question. How many of you say that you have at least one thing, one thing in your life that you are, are committed or maybe struggling with controlling? Anybody have anything that they're struggling with there? Maybe some of you have two things and so you'd put two hands up. I mean, I get it. Maybe right now, maybe you're grabbing your spouse's hand and you're, or somebody, a friend next to you, and you're putting their hand in the air. And I just want to say, if that's you, this message is for you. I promise God has a word for you if you're grabbing someone else's hand to put it up. Amen? <laughs> well, I want to read something to you out of Luke chapter 1. Listen to God's word for us. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Then notice what happens next. Confused and disturbed. Say, Confused and disturbed. disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Perhaps you come here today and you've been struggling with something. Maybe things didn't turn out the way that you hoped they would. Maybe you were looking for a different result. Maybe you're in a situation where you're hoping it gets fixed, but it hasn't gotten fixed or it hasn't gotten figured out. Perhaps you're feeling disturbed and maybe even confused. But listen to what the angel says. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. How many of you know that if you're going to find favor, finding it with God is a good thing? You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be the very great, he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, But how could this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born and will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Verse 38, Mary responded. And maybe she, I just kind of imagine sometimes if she would have responded like some of us, you know. Like for real, Like, this is really what's happening, God? But she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then I love the way that the English Standard Version translates that particular verse. And Mary said, behold, the servant of the Lord. And then she quotes from the Beatles. Let it be. Let it be to me according to your word. Disturbed and confused, she says, let it be. Now, before you sit down, maybe greet a few people and as you do say, let it be, (laughs) let it be. Just greet a few people, let it be, let it be. Let it be, let it be. Now, some of you, I'm, I hope that everybody knows who the Beatles is at least, so we we've got that still going for us. Okay, you know, I'm not a I'm not a mind reader, um, but I do know that a room like this, uh, there are some of you that are thinking, you know, this is a really perfect message for my spouse to hear, right? Or maybe you're thinking, you know, this would be a great message for my mother-in-law. Come on, anybody? Hopefully, your mother-in-law is not sitting right next to you as you say that. And you might say, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really controlling. I'm just aggressively helpful. I'm not, I'm not really controlling. I'm just thoroughly organized. You know what I mean? But truthfully, you really are wound so tight that you make coffee nervous. Some of you are round, you really are wound that tight. You struggle. You struggle with it. And the thing I figured out is, is it's hard sometimes to see it in of ourselves, but if we ask people close to us, if we ask maybe our kids or something, like, you know, hey, is this, is this true of me? Like, kids have an amazing way of seeing things in us that maybe we don't see in ourselves. And they, like mirrors, they reflect back to us what's real, you know, and as a parent, I've entered into kind of a season where my kids are not really as little anymore. And, and so what I've been doing is training them up and teaching them that they have to contribute. You know what I mean? Like if you have a kid and he just does nothing, it's like, well, that's not good. So we have to help them kind of start to contribute. And, and the thing that sometimes kids get in their head is like in order for them to contribute, that somehow they get paid. I don't understand this. I really don't. I mean, I I think the fact that the child should understand that the very fact that they exist, that they're able to breathe and live under your house, you know, under your roof, not under your house. Hopefully you're not going to have your kids under your house. (laughs) But if you do that, that's probably bad. We need to talk. But if you let them live under your roof, like it's, it's one of those things that they need to understand that that's you, you do that for them. And so they have to contribute. And so, so one of the things I've been talking with my kids about is how important it is that they contribute and particularly like things like washing the dishes, you know, or, or, or cleaning the kitchen or doing laundry or, you know, things like that, that they can help with. And, but, but, but we also know as parents is that when you assign them that job, they don't always do it the right way. They don't always do it the way that you want them to do it. You know what I'm saying? And so you say, hey, clean the kitchen. Their idea of cleaning the kitchen is not your idea of cleaning the kitchen. And so the end result does not match up with what you hope it will be. Same thing with laundry. Sometimes it doesn't come out as clean as you hope it will. Or maybe, just maybe, and I, 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 I can say this from experience, that you end up with bleach on clothing that you didn't anticipate, <laughs> or maybe vacuuming. You know, and you teach a kid how to vacuum, and they'll just do this. You know, and it's just all over the place, and they'll do this, and and it, there's there's no uniformity to it. They miss spots. It's just all over the place. And we know that when you vacuum, there is a plan that God intended. And it is a plan to go in straight lines, nice parallel lines, so that when you get done, you see the beauty of the lines. It's not this. It's nice. Every line touching. Every line. You see? And see, we've all been in situations where we're trying to teach kids or we're trying to help our children, but but I've also discovered that sometimes we get a little controlling around things that sometimes just don't matter. Sometimes we're so concerned about what our kids wear, their hair, what they make on this, or maybe even sometimes we get consumed with what college they'll get into or the ACT, and I'm not saying that those things are bad, but sometimes we get so uh, consumed with them so controlling to the point that some parents end up in jail because they were paying the college's money to get their kids in. That's not okay. We want what we want and, and, and we want it now and we want it the way we want it. And we even not, we don't even just control our kids. There's a part of us that tries to even control God. God, did you do this? God, would you do this? And matter of fact, you need to do it on my timetable. Or some of you this Christmas, you're going to, matter of fact, tomorrow, you're going to stand in front of a tree with a group of people and you're going to try and get that family photo. And it's going to take you like 38 times before you get it right, because somebody's going to be with their eyes closed or somebody's looking this way or, but it's just going to go on and on. And somebody in that room is going to get frustrated and they're going to be like, why is this so hard? What is wrong with you people? People are like choking each other out and you're taking photos and then eventually you're going to put it online and you're going to say to the whole world, hashtag blessed. (laughs) Look at our perfect little family. Because we so much want people to think things about us that really aren't true, you know? And we're so busy controlling things. But listen, listen to this. I think this is an important statement is that the more you try to control, the more you try to control, the more you fear losing control. And the more that you fear losing control, the more you control. And so what happens is we start to control something. And then the thing that we're controlling, we we just desperately don't want it to get out of control or not do what we hope it will do. And so we get fearful. And we, so we squeeze it harder. And then as we do, we really have a hard time ever letting go of it so that it can do what maybe it's supposed to do because we get so controlling around those things. And so here's a simple thought I want to share with you tonight. And it's important you get this because I believe this 100% that God says that the only thing that pleases him is faith. That is the thing that pleases God. And the thing that I've learned is that when we have faith, on the other side of faith is his faithfulness. When we have faith, on the other side of his faithfulness, or is on the other side is his faithfulness. And so this statement is really important that we get, that if God is with us, here's the thought. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. You don't always have the power to control. And we know that. We know that there are things we can't control. But the thing that you can control is your ability to surrender whatever it is you're dealing with to a God who is more than able. And it's so important we understand this. Now, when you think about Mary, when, when the angel came to Mary and said, this is what's going to happen. Sometimes we, we kind of super spiritualize Mary you know, because there are cathedrals named after her and paintings. But I mean, you know, and people even say prayers, and you know. Here's the thing you gotta understand. Mary was a teenager. She was like 13, 14, maybe 15. And, and 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 the angel comes to her and says these things to her. I can't imagine what's going through this girl's mind. She 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 was just an everyday average girl living in some small town in the ancient Near East, and this angel shows up, and sometimes I wonder about that because I picture her just as, like any 14, 15-year-old girl. You know, maybe she had hopes and dreams. Maybe there were things that she wanted to see happen in her life, you know? She, she knew that there were limitations to that because of her world. I mean, she didn't have the same world we lived in, but, but there were some things that, that maybe she really wanted. Maybe she was dealing with certain pressures like any girl. You know, she was living under those pressures and, and then all of a sudden some angel shows up and begins to talk to her about how, how, how she's going to be a part of some amazing plan that God had created. And yet she was just thinking about maybe her future. She was just thinking about maybe someday she'd get married and she'd find some guy that, that really met all of these qualities that she hoped for, you know. I mean, not a lot of things, not, not a huge list but but she had some things that maybe she thought about or maybe that were important to her and and so she would think about that and 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 maybe she, you know she didn't have the situation like us I mean it was all in the community thing she didn't have like e harmony she didn't have like christian tingle or to look on and find herself a man you know to do a personality test and no she didn't have any of that she just had this Maybe this desire to find a good husband. And, you know, and she had some non-negotiables. That's important for a girl to have, you know, some non-negotiables. And, you know, she hoped that, hoped that maybe he was strong. You know, maybe handsome. And that's a good thing. Charming. Maybe he drove a nice donkey. <laughs> good job. Maybe he had a bright future. Had strong hands, but really a soft heart, you know, just a soft heart. Maybe he was close to mom, but he wasn't a mama's boy. You know, he wasn't a mama's boy. He was bold, yet he was humble. I mean, these are the things she... I mean, just a few things, right? I mean, just a few things. Not obsessed with shirtless selfies. You know, for some of you men out there, you got to stop taking them. You know, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, stop it. Someday you're going to try and get a job, and they're going to find your shirtless selfies on online and it's just not going to be good. You know, she wanted a man that maybe was decisive but flexible, had big goals, yet yeah, was easygoing. It was re- well-groomed, but soft, you know, and she could feel safe around him, but maybe just a little dangerous. Just a little dangerous. Provided a secure future for her. You know, she he led but he wasn't overly dominant. He was confident and caring. Just a few things. Just a few things that she was probably looking for. Maybe she liked old movies and long walks on the beach, chocolate covered strawberries. I mean, these are all good things. Sitting at home, watching Netflix, and chilling together. Most of all, maybe she longed for him to be a spiritual leader, a man who, who would help her raise the kids. And, you know, she just she didn't really expect much, did she? She was just thinking about what what she might be able to have, you know, the normal stuff, the Mr. Right stuff. And perhaps someday he'd propose on the Bethlehem Bridge and some Instagram photographer would be there to take a picture of it and put it up on Instagram and get a million hits and it just, they'd be off to the races, be beautiful. Then maybe, just maybe, they'd get married in the, the, the Jerusalem Garden Chapel, have a couple of kids, old little Joey and Ava or Olivia or whoever else. They'd have everything that they always wanted. And maybe they'd even have a dog. They wouldn't have a cat because the Son of God would never own a cat. <laughs> and the angel appeared and said to her, you're going to be with child. And all of the hopes and things that she thought, there's this kind of like, Brakes get put on, you know what I mean? And so she's disturbed, and she's confused. And, And so she's left with that. And she says to God, let it be. Let it be. Let it be the way you say it, not the way I want it. Which I think is one of the most powerful things that Mary does, is that she absolutely says back to God, the thing that so often is so hard for us to say back to God. And see, when things go bad in our life, when we run into situations we can't control, maybe you thought that you would have three or four kids and you can't conceive and you're sitting here thinking, this is is not what I planned. You're thinking that it should go this way. Maybe you thought you weren't going to get downsized, but you did. You know, maybe the bonus that you thought was coming this year isn't. And so you find yourself disturbed and confused, just like Mary, disturbed and confused. And here's the thing I know about Mary is that she had no idea when she said, let it be, what was on the other end of that. When you think about her journey and what happens ultimately with Jesus, I can guarantee you she wouldn't think in three decades from now, I'm going to be looking up at my son on a cross, dying, (coughs) dying. When she said, let it be to God, she had no idea what she was agreeing to. But the thing I love about Mary is that she looks at this situation, she hears from the angel, she looks at control, and she looks at surrender, and she chooses surrender. Even though she wants to control it, she wants these things, but yet she surrenders to God and says, not my dreams, but your destiny. Not not the things I've planned, but God's purpose in my life. Not the things that I can control, but God's calling in my life is what she decides to agree to. See, she she absolutely understood what that meant, at least in the moment. She believed the father, she believed in the fact that he had a purpose. She believed the fact that he had something going on that she couldn't see but she knew if she was gonna step into it that she needed the power of God. And the only way to get that was for her to surrender her control to a God who loved her. Now there's this idea that I think has kind of gotten into the kingdom of God or in, into, the, into people in particular, and that is this idea of partial surrender. I think that's an interesting idea. Like, surrender is not a partial thing, if you know what I mean. Like If you're fighting a war, And you get somebody to agree to surrender, right? It's not like they raise the white flag and we go and they go, we'll give you 75%. Right? Like that's not how it works. This is total surrender. And sometimes what we do with God is we give him a partial surrender. We'll give him 87% of our life, but we won't give him 100% of our life. We'll give him just enough to save us, but we won't give him everything. We'll give him, we'll give him this, but we won't give him our kids. We'll give him this, but we'll give, we won't give him our money. We'll give him this, but we won't. You see what I'm getting at? And so we make these deals and these compromises with a God who's like, I'm not dealing, people. This is about surrender. This isn't about making a deal. This is about the fact that your job is to surrender to what I'm asking of you. And I think it's reasonable. When you think about what God has done for us, it seems reasonable to me. A God who would send his son into this world to die for me. It seems reasonable to me that I would give him everything. That he he is worth my life. That he is worth everything for me. And this idea of partial surrender is something that we should root out. So what is it? What is it that that leads us to try and control? What is it that keeps us from surrendering to God? I think it's simply this. and And I think this is the harder part of the teaching. Listen to this. I think it's that my desire to control is really rooted in a lack of faith. And when I say that, that's really hard to get. It's hard to grab hold of. You saying, Pastor, I, you're saying I lack faith. Look, I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is, if we're unwilling to give it to God, then what is it? It seems to me that it would be a lack of faith. Or it get masks in fear, or it's kind of fearful, but if I'm afraid, then I'm lacking faith in a God who is more than able. I should never be afraid. I should never be afraid of a God who loves me. Now, I know that things are going to come at you, but the thing you always have to understand is that the God who loves you is with you. And so when we surrender to him, he's on our team. And I always think the future is better with God on your side. And so when we surrender, it really helps us to see that we have absolutely overestimated our ability and we have underestimated the power of our God. We have underestimated our ability. So what we're doing is like, I am saying that I am in control. But you know you're not. You know you're not. And what happens is we beef ourselves up. We undersell the God who's more than able. So important we see this. Because see, you know what the culture is saying to you? Saying it to me? Is if you don't do something, it ain't going to happen. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't do something, it's not going to happen. If it's going to be, it's up to me. And yet that's not what God says. Matter of fact, Jesus says the very opposite. Listen to this in Matthew 10, verse 39. If you cling to your life, if you control, get it? If you control your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, surrender for me, you will find it. See, Jesus is trying to get us to understand that as we hold on to things and try and control things, we never experience the life that he wants to give us. But when we relinquish it to God, when we give up our life, when we surrender control to God at 100%, what he does is he begins to work in ways that we can't do on our own. And the thing I figured out, though, is it's not a one-time thing. You know? It's not like, you know, just one time in my life I had to finally say, God, I surrender. And I sang the song, you know, surrender all, God. That's why I'm not on the worship team, guys. <laughs> but, but, you know, I surrender. But no, it's, it's, I have to do it daily. I have to get up. Sometimes it's moment by moment by what I'm facing because I just want to pick it back up. I want to do something because if I don't do something, it's not going to happen. And God's like, ho, 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 ho. Hold the phone. So if I cling to my life, I lose it. But, I, but if I give up my life, I find it. And that's what I see in the story of Mary. Like Mary was in a situation where she has an angel come to her and say to her, this is what's going to happen. She's a virgin and she's pregnant. And I don't know about you, but she, she shows up to Joseph and says, hey, Joseph, uh, just need to let you know um, I'm pregnant and it's, it's, it's by the Holy Spirit. Huh. Well, that may have worked with your last boyfriend, but that ain't working with me. Right? I mean, I, I can't imagine my girlfriend telling me she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. We would have a bit of a hard time with that. Well, here's the good news. When Mary decided to say, let it be, her faith unlocked the faithfulness of God. God was working behind the scenes already on her behalf. And so he took that same angel to talk to Joseph and say, hey, Joseph, just so you know, this is what I'm doing. So when she came to tell him what was going on, God had already made a way for that thing to land where it needed to land. And that's what God does, is that he starts to work on our behalf. He starts to to show the evidence of the faith. The evidence is on the back end. And so she has faith, God's faithfulness shows up, and all of a sudden, Joseph's in. Mary is riding on a donkey, looking for a place to have this baby. They can't find any place, and what does God do? He finds a place for them. It's not the fanciest place on earth. Probably more like a Motel 6. But it was good enough to have a baby in. And then all of a sudden these shepherds show up. See the evidence? These shepherds show up and they start talking about this little baby. Because uh, the angel was preparing, you see? So, So her faith, evidence, evidence. Shepherds show up and start talking about this little baby. And then these kings or these magi show up and what do they do? They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are very, very spendy things, not cheap things. And so what happens? Herod. Herod shows up, and he wants to kill this baby. He finds out about the baby. He doesn't like the idea of some Messiah being born, and so he goes door to door trying to kill this baby. And so what do they do? They end up running to Egypt, and then eventually they come back. But how many of us know when we're on the run, gold is good to have? God had already planned it. God had already been working. And as she surrendered her life to him, all of a sudden God shows up. And the evidence of God and his power starts to get released in those situations. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And you know what? Her son knew the same thing. Jesus knew the same thing. As, as, as Jesus is coming to this place where he eventually goes to the cross, he's in a garden, and perhaps you've heard this story. He's in this garden, and he's wrestling with the burden of going to the cross. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he was under so much pressure that the capillaries in his head were exploding, and he's bleeding out of his head. That's a lot of pressure. And he's under this pressure, and he's asking God to work in this situation. But the, you know what the thing, the thing that he said the thing that he said is exactly what Mary said, using the same word, the same Greek idea, and that is let it be. Not my will, but your will be done. And so both Mary and Jesus understood that the life of surrender was the only way to go. And Mary's looking up at her son as she's as he's on this cross and she's she's seeing what he's going through. Can you imagine? And it's something that we should not romanticize. It's painful. A mother looking at her child being spit on and beat. and I mean, just, you can't even imagine, can you? And that's what Mary is dealing with. And Jesus says, let it be. And Mary says, let it be. And the truth is, is that Jesus any moment could have called down angels from heaven to destroy everybody if he wanted to. But he didn't. Because he had a mission. He knew what he was supposed to do. And he knew on the back end of it, God would be faithful and the entire world could be saved because of it. Just powerful. Now, when you came in on your seats, there's these little white pieces of paper. I want you to grab those if you want to. But I want to ask you this question. What are you trying to control that you need to surrender I mean, simple enough. Is there anything that you're trying to control that you need to surrender to God? You know, in a little bit, we're going to worship God with our giving. And some of us came prepared to give generously to God, and that's great. But I also think sometimes we not only need to give to God our money or our resources, We need to give to God our burdens. Matter of fact, 1 Peter 5, 8 says that we should cast our burdens on God, a God who cares for us, that we should, that we should cast them out because if we try and carry them, we can't carry them, but, but God can. And so I just want to encourage you. If you got something, if there's something going on in your life, then cast that burden on to God, surrender it to the Lord. And watch him work in that situation. I believe he will. And so go ahead and take a moment. You can write that down if you want to. I want to talk to you as we do, but you know, the angel says to Mary, The Lord is with you, which is that Emmanuel. God is with us. And the thing we've got to see if you ask this question, Who's Jesus? Well, the Bible says he's Emmanuel. God with us. And you know, my hope is as we spend this time together, my hope is, is that you would feel that in a very real way. That you would feel this idea that God is with you. Wherever you go, whatever you're going through, God is with you. And He loves you. And he wants to help you. But all you got to do is take your Kung Fu grip off of the situation. And surrender it to him. You know, Pastor Gretchen and I, we, we carry a burden. And the burden that we carry is how much we love all of you. I may not even know you. But I love you. Because our job is to care for the people in this house. And we carry that burden and we pray for you and we, we think about you. But the hardest thing about our job sometimes is that we can lead you to water, but we can't make you drink. Like, that's the hardest part of the job is we can give you the path, we can get you close to the water, but I can't make you drink. Now, sometimes I want to just put your foot, you know, put a foot down to help you get to the water in Jesus' name. But I can't do that, can I? Because you might drink it, but it's not real. If I force you to do it, it's not real. And so my hope for you today, this evening, this Christmas, is that whatever you need to surrender to God, do it. Just do it because here's the thing and this is the truth you've got to see is that God can do more through your surrender than you can do through your control. God can do more through your surrender than you can do through your control. That which is in your heart is always better in his hands. It's always better. So my hope and prayer for you this Christmas season is that you would surrender it maybe for the first time so that you could truly experience the power of God in your life. And that I believe this 100%. If you'll do that, 2020 is gonna be the best year of your life. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy, but I guarantee it's gonna be the best year of your life because God's in it. I wanna pray for you. God, I thank you so much for each person in this room. Each of us come in this room with probably various things, concerns, ideas, things that are coming against us, family gatherings we have to go to, pain that has visited our house, relationships that are broken or experienced tension, jobs that aren't what they are supposed to be or. And we don't know what to do. And yet we listen to you. We listen to your word and we see that if we'll just give it to you, you'll show up in it. So, Lord, I want to pray for everybody in this room that's maybe carrying a burden with them. that They're willing to release to you. God, I pray right now as they release it, that you'd grab hold of it, that you'd grab hold of it with your strong, mighty hand. And that you would begin to work and that the evidence of your faithfulness would begin to be realized in their situation right now. Just put your faith in him. He's more than able to work in your situation. Just relinquish your control to him and say, God, I I surrender to you right now. I surrender this situation to you right now. Would you work? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I I just want to ask you a question. I talked a lot about Jesus tonight. And the thing that I know is that Jesus went to a cross for you so that you could be in a relationship with Him. And through that relationship, you would be restored back to a God who loves you. And I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you've ever entered into that relationship. I don't know if you're certain of that. But I know this, that you can be. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's gonna come in and he's gonna begin to work in your life. He's gonna save you. He's gonna begin to work in those situations that you don't know what to do with. He's going to begin to transform you into the person that he wants you to be. But all you have to do is take a step of faith towards him and enter into that personal relationship with him. You do not have to leave here tonight and not know that for real. And so, like I said, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you a chance to respond. And so what I'm going to ask you to do on the count of three is just simply raise your hand if it's something that you'd like. If you'd like to take that step of faith, the raising of your hand is 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 like your confession. And so I want to give you that opportunity right now. And we're just going to pray with you. And so nobody's looking around, but I do want to ask. And so on the count of three, one, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand up if it's that's you. Go ahead. Just raise it up if it's you. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Church, we're all going to pray together. Nobody's praying alone in here. I don't know if you... Maybe even if you were here and you didn't raise your hand. But you wanted to. Just pray this prayer. So church, let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus. I need a Savior. Would you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my Lord? Lord. I surrender to you today. Will you change me from the inside out? Mm. I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anybody that's making a decision today? So good.